How many of you have ever seen the wind? Come on. You can be honest with me. I just passed your tea. I pulled that trick before, haven't I? None of you have ever seen the wind. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. You might have seen the results of it, a byproduct of it, but you didn't see the wind. pastor here at New Life Community Church. I trust that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to try to jump right into the back half of the opening part of a series that we began to share with you last week. It's titled, Jonah Does Jonah. Now I have a question for you. When God says to you, go, and throughout His Word, He's given the believers instructions, in particular in the New Testament, we've been given instructions on going and how we are to go. When he says go, maybe you don't say no, but you don't live out the yes. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? We just kind of do our own little silent thing and continue to cry out that we are a follower of Christ. Well, when we say we're a follower of Christ, that means something. We're going to deal with that. Jonah had some real issues with following after God's plan for his life. He wanted to consider himself one of God's, but he didn't want to follow God's plan. And we're going to see how that turned out as Jonah does Jonah. I have one verse I want to read in your hearing right now, and that comes from Jonah chapter 1, verse number 5. And listen to this. A record puts it this way. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. Now note that is a little g-o-d. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Doesn't that sound like a lot of folks in and around the church today? All this going on around us, and we've just fallen into a deep sleep. Well, I trust this will speak to us. And right now, I want to pray for you, and we're going to jump right on into this teaching. Father, I thank you so much for each one listening in right now. I pray in particular for those that have spiritually fallen asleep, or those that haven't said no, but they aren't living out the yes. I pray you would speak to their heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. look like me. Their skin is different from mine. Their hair is different from mine. They don't smell as good as I do. Do you know their address? I don't like them because of where they live. You know anybody like that? That's kind of what was going on with Jonah. One writer says it this way, and I quote, They were the untouchables, and that God should take an interest in them was unthinkable to Jonah. There's a real history there, and I'm not going any more 
detail other than to say this, beloved. Consequently, Jonah decided to do Jonah. Everybody say do Jonah. He decided to do Jonah instead of obeying God. So suffice it to say, he cowered in rebellion. He was a rebellious coward. Hmm. Well, you know the story. Just to give you a few details, Jonah's rebellion was not dissimilar to our own. I'm going slow on purpose. I know what I'm going to say. I'm just taking my time. Are you with me? Listen to this. Jonah's rebellion was not dissimilar to our own. In the simplest of terms, instead of going in the direction of God's choosing, he rather chose to go in the opposite direction. Would you look at your neighbor and say, right out loud, we have a choice. That's not the first time you've heard that preached on at New Life, is it? We have a choice. And then watch this. Instead of being part of God's plan, by God's design, to turn a specific people group toward Him and His redemption, Jonah chose rather to impede the process. Can I act that out for you a little bit? Instead of being a part of God's great plan to involve some persons and to bring some persons into redemption, Jonah chose to come against that, to impede that process. Now, maybe you've never thought about it that way, but that's exactly what was going on. Folks, listen to me. It's not a good idea, never a good idea, or never a great strategy to position yourself in your mind as a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. I believe in God. I believe in God. Yes, I believe in the Bible. It's never a good idea to position yourself in your mind as a child of God and then ultimately follow a trail of rebellion. This is good preaching in case y'all want. I figured you'd shout me down by now. Amen. Hey, that's, again, that's exactly what Jonah did. And it cost him. It cost him. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Anything like this where God says to you, Hey, you, go. Go. And then maybe you certainly don't say no, not out loud, but you don't live out the yes. Does that make sense? Consider what happens when God chooses a messenger to assist with his plan and the messenger chooses to disobey. God just gets someone else to go and he lets plan off or plan A off scot-free. Is that right? Is that what happens? You following me on that? I think I got a little tang tangled, but I trust you're following me. Does God just get someone else and let his plan A off scot-free? Well, let's see how that worked out for the son of Amittai. 
Go with me to Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. Here's what we read. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Well, will you note first of all that this is God's perspective of Jonah's disobedience, disobedience, which is not good. And it's not without precedence. There are other occasions. In fact, very early on in the biblical narrative in Genesis chapter 4, we read about a fellow named Cain who, as the record puts it, went out from the presence of the Lord. What a terrible place to be, out from the presence of the Lord. Can I say this to you, New Life? And this sounds like a broken record in some respects. But beloved, there's one of two directions that you can follow in life. You can follow your direction or you can follow God's direction. And God says, if you're not for me, you're against me. To try to go any deeper here is really to minimize the point, so I won't. But for whatever reason, Jonah walked away from God's purpose and ministry calling for him. Again, just some very brief details. He went down to Joppa. And geographically, that won't mean a whole lot to you. For perspective, later on in Acts chapter 9, you read about a lady named Dorcas. Dorcas lived, or Tabitha. Tabitha, she's called Dorcas. She had a nickname. Uh, sewed up. Purple, as the case might be. But she lived in Joppa, and Peter, the apostle Peter, spent a good bit of time there. Now, I told you that to tell you this. Both of those New Testament characters, Dorcas and Peter, were doing what God had prescribed for them, but not Jonah. Jonah was not in Joppa by permission. Joppa and or ultimately Tarshish, which is where he was headed, were, were the complete opposite of where God wanted him. The Lord impressed this upon my heart in the early hours of the morning, this morning, to put before you, and it's simply this, in your spiritual walk, and whoever you are, you have a spiritual walk. In your spiritual walk, your ministry calling, your assignment, are you where God wants you? Yet come to me this week as I prayerfully perused all of this. Joppa wasn't a bad place. Some good people hung out there. Tarshish wasn't necessarily a bad place. I'm sure some good people hung out there. But that's not where God wanted Jonah. Are you where God wants you? Now, let's continue on. Number six on your study notes. And I'm about to reach for that little button to hit the landing gear. So you be ready, all right? Number six on your notes says something like this. Immediately, God set a series of deterrents into motion. I searched high and low for the word to go in that blank. I was going to put something other than deterrent. But deterrent is actually a very good word. Let me help you understand this. We're not told that God put walls before Jonah. It wasn't a wall, but a difficulty that gave him pause. Are you with me? A deterrent. 
Look in verse 4 of Jonah chapter 1, the first part of the verse. Then the Lord, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. What did he send? Say it again. A great wind. Now listen, this was no balmy breeze. Balmy, 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 balmy. This was no balmy breeze. For the results were downright catastrophic. Look at this. The storm was of such magnitude that it threatened to break the ship apart. That's quite a storm. I was impressed to ask myself this question, and I pose this question to you this morning. Do you know why that storm was of such magnitude? And the answer is this, because it was necessary. You know why some storms are allowed in your life? Because they're necessary. You see, at this particular occasion, this season of Jonah's life, he didn't need a cool, balmy breeze to make him more comfy. He was out of the will of the Lord. But rather what he needed was something of, and I made this word up, it's going to be in the night and international a dictionary. He needed something of tornadic proportions. Are you with me? Put tornadic in and your spell checker will underline it in red. But I trust you understand what I'm saying. He needed something of tornadic proportions to, watch this, influence him back to obedience. He needed a deterrent to give him pause, to cause him to ponder. Maybe this disobedience thing ain't such a good idea. This is a total digression. I want to throw this in. We may pick up on it later. Let me call your attention again to great wind and encourage you to do a topical study on great wind. Just real quick, Genesis 8, Exodus 10, there was an east wind that brought locusts. That fascinates me. Exodus 20, there was a strong east wind. Numbers 11, there was a wind that brought quail. Next time you go quail hunting, pray. Lord, send us a great wind. Psalm 78, there's an east wind and a south wind. Acts 27, that which the King James Version calls, you're clued on. Or some versions put it in the north easter, a word which is pretty familiar to us even today. It's a violent wind. Listen to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 29. Some of you may know that I have categorized the Proverbs into categories. So I looked in wind, and here's what was under wind. Proverbs eleven twenty-nine: He who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind. Now, I'm pretty sure that what Solomon was talking about is that it would, that kind of action is going to bring emptiness to one's life. But think about it this way also. Uh, wind in, a, in volume causes adversity. Doesn't that make sense? How many of you have ever seen the wind? Can I see your hand? How many of you have ever seen the wind? Come on. You can be honest with me. I'll just pass your tea. I pulled that trick before, haven't I? None of you have ever seen the wind. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. You might have seen the results of it, a byproduct of it, but you didn't see the wind. Isn't that something? Check this out. Did you see that? 
Nope, but if you'd have been close enough, you could have smelt it. Say amen right there. Now, you see, but when oh, in, in a abundance can cause adversity, can I encourage you, and I'm going to close that little digression right here. Can I encourage you to think of great wind as a type of Holy Spirit? That's not off at all. God took some dirt and made this little clay figure out of it. And then he breathed the very breath, the Spirit, into that little clay model. And we had Adam. And from Adam... We have us. How cool is that? You can't do that. God did. In the meantime, I'm back at the message. Jonah 1 and 5. We read this. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God, little g. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But, everybody say but. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. I'm talking about he was knocking it out. Jonah had determined that it would be best if he slept through this entire fiasco. Now think about this. Consider how this is reflective of spiritual disobedience Jonah caused this mess our opening text reading this morning made that very clear he caused this mess then he ducked out and left the innocent to clean it up that'll preach by the way how many in our world today even in the church institutionally how many in our world today is nodded off and ostensibly unaware of the danger that they have and are causing because of their slumber? Listen to Revelation 3 and 1. The English Standard Version says it this way. This is Jesus speaking through the revelator. I know your works. Who's he talking to? The church at Sardis, which is a a type symbolic of a, an error. I know your works. What were those works? He tells us. You have, look at this, the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You know any people like that? Oh, they want you to think they're alive spiritually, but they're not. They're deader than a doornail. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And here's, the, here's what he says to them. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Verse 3, remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. I want to wrap it up this morning with this. Beloved, being asleep at the spiritual will endangers more than the offender. You see, when the individual, be it Jonah or myself or yourself, when the individual refuses to obey, the ripple effect is significant. 
What can we learn here? Just to cut to the chase. What can we learn from part one of this simple story this morning? Here's one thing that we can learn. Beloved, when God says go, don't say no. And did I miss a study note this morning? Yeah. I just was reminded of that. Thank you, Lord. 20 minutes later. When God says go, don't say no. That study note was something like this, and I heard Greg Laurie talking about this. God told Jonah go, and Jonah said no, and God said oh. When God says go, don't say no. What has God asked you to do? It's a very timely message for New Life Community Church. Watch this for one reason. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary. We've been here a long time. There are a lot of people that have worked very hard to get this church fellowship and this ministry to where it is. And it's time for some of them to serve in an advisory role, counseling role, and some other younger folks with some energy and some zeal and the gifts and abilities and talents to take that on to another level. It's time for some of them to step up. So with that, I'm asking you again, what has God asked you to do? What is your ministry calling, your assignment? And I can tell you it is not just perching on a church chair. Am I glad you're here? Absolutely, positively. But this is not all there is to it. Let me ask you this. Whatever that ministry calling is, are you walking toward it? Or are you walking in it? Or are you walking away from it? Walking toward it, in it, or away from it? If you're walking toward it, Pastor, I'm not there yet, but I'm headed that way. Well, thank the Lord for that. But can you be encouraged? Go ahead and get in it. Can I tell you something? I was able to share this story with somebody right back in that corner Wednesday night. The long and the short of it is that God called me into pastoral ministry. I didn't want to go. You may hear more about that later in this series. I finally consented. Okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Fast forward several months. I'm sitting on the back row, <laughs> the back row of the chapel at John Wesley College during Missions Week, listening to them hammer away about missions and God's calling to missions. And the Lord started deal with my, dealing with my heart about going to the mission field. And I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, I didn't mind being a pastor. We, we settled that point. But this being a missionary, Lord, I just can't see me moving to Africa and living in a teepee and marrying a woman with a bone through her nose. Just, I, I told God that. But I finally realized I wasn't going to be happy until I said yes, until I was in it. And that's what I did. I said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And he said, I just wanted to know that you were willing. Now watch, don't you try to pull an end around on God. 
say, I'm going to tell him I'm willing. Then when I do, he'll say, it's okay, and I won't have to do it. It doesn't always work out that way. It didn't work out that way with uh, Pastor Terry being a pastor. Aren't you glad? Some of you are. <laughs> Aren't you glad I married Donna? Yeah. yeah. Hey, if you're walking toward it, get in it. If you're walking away from it, whatever it is, then please turn back and return. Don't walk away from the greatest thing this side of eternity and that which will determine your eternity. If you're in it, then I pray that you will stay in it. Beloved, that's going to conclude part one of this series. And boy, what a great story. We can learn so much from Jonah's story because it is so reflective of us. Here's what I want to leave you with for this particular teaching. When God says go, please be encouraged not to say no. And God has said go. There's the great commission given in the New Testament, Matthew 28, where we're, we, the followers of Christ, we're told to go into all the world and present the gospel. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, I can't go into all the world. Uh, the people I'm speaking to right now, you're from Henry County, Virginia, little old Henry County. How are we going to go into the whole world? There's all kinds of ways to do that. But listen, you can start in your world wherever that is. If you're married, you can share this with your wife, husband, with your wife, wife, with your husband, uh, with your children, children, with your parents, with your family, with your work associates. Those of you that are listening, that are in school, you can share this with your classmates. Well, Pastor, you know we can't do that at school. No, I don't know that. You sure can do that. Stop making excuses and let's do that, which God called us to go and do. And I want to be an encouragement to you. I want to put courage into you to do exactly that. We have a calling to go. All oh, the church is sorely missing that. Believers are sorely missing that today, and I trust you'll be encouraged to follow through with it. Let me pray for you, and we're going to tell you about new life, and then we're going to have to get off here. Father, I thank you for each one listening right now, and I pray that you would put courage into the hearts of each one that claims to be a follower of Christ and empower them to go and to tell everyone they know that they know Jesus, to put forth your message. I pray for those that have failed to do that and they've gotten themselves in a mess. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help them to walk out of that and to purpose from this point on that they're going to listen to you. They're going to do what you tell them to do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, before I jump off here, let me remind you of one thing that Jesus has told us to do. You can find this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're to come together. Jesus said to the apostles, Hey, I've come to build my church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And indeed, he has. So I encourage you to connect with the body of Christ somewhere where the word of God is being preached and taught and lived out. Uh, one of those places is New Life Community Church. We have a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Note that oddball starting time, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We've been meeting at that time for 25 years now. We've been telling this community about it for nearly that long. We'd love to see you. Then midweek activities, Wednesday night, we call it Family Ministries Night, 7 o'clock Wednesday night. 
something for the little kids, teenagers, and the adults. We'd love to see you. I do have to get out of here. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church here in Ridgeway, Virginia. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?